Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Hugo Monnier and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, Gloucester and Wales hooker Richard Hibbard join us in the studio to analyse an exciting final weekend of European group stage action and look ahead to the up-and-coming six nations of all the squads now announced. Here's the best of rugby tonight, insight and analysis from Lawrence Delalia, Martin Bayfield and our studio guest. Thanks, Hugo. Yeah, plenty to discuss tonight. And as always, a joy to do it in the company of Big Lawrence and Hugo. But it adds to the occasion to have another big name join us. And tonight we have one of the game's more colourful characters. Hard to miss on the pitch on account of his full throttle approach to the game and his flowing locks. This Welsh international and British lion was a big hit with the Ospreys and is now a firm favourite at King's Home. Richard, great to see you. And may I say, looking in great shape, you are fighting fit. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we dropped a few kilos. Uh, we sort of changed our game plan this year in Gloucester. We're a bit more faster up tempo game, so yeah, sort of get the mantra of adapt or die, uh, and it's worked. I'm enjoying the rugby, it's, uh, playing well, and it's, yeah, uh, looking good. I was going to say because it's a little bit early for the summer holidays, and I don't expect you to do that because you're coming on this show yeah. to look so trim. Fantastic Teeny body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm, that is something I really do not want in my mind. Um, yeah. But you, you had last week off, you got this week off, and yet you've travelled from Port Talbot to spend your time with us. Is it just an argument? I got a nose bleed over the bridge, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got a newborn, so it's good to get out of the house. Yeah, a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> yeah, oh, many congratulations, well yeah, done, thanks. well done. Um, let's talk about Gloucester, because it's been a good week for Gloucester. You've got through now to the, the knockout stages of, of the Challenge Cup. Um, what's the buzz at Gloucester? Because they have been in the news a lot. Yeah, it's good, it's good. We started to pick up some momentum. Uh, we had a few stumbles early on in the season, uh, couldn't close out games. But it's starting to come, I think, uh, with a turning point in Christmas, a few more close results. Uh, but we definitely got off some momentum, picked up uh, a couple of wins and then a couple of wins in Europe and really push on now this, uh, this, this period. I talked about in the introduction what a firm favourite you are with the King's Home crowd. They love you down in <laughs> Gloucester. And you're looking in great shape, playing top-level rugby, not involved with the Welsh national team. Does the fire still burn pretty bright to want to play for Wales again? I think internationally you, your fire always burns bright. I think that is an absolute honour to play for your country. And as me personally, I can never turn my back on it. So if they, uh, they ever did call, I would, uh, I would pick up the phone. Uh, but no, it's, it's, you just keep playing well for your club. And that's what you want to do. Performances, you want to get wins for the team. Uh, you do your best that way. And... Everything else is a bonus, really. What about the conversation with the Welsh management, whether it was with Warren Gatland or Rob Howley now? What was the message from them? What was the explanation they gave to you as to why you're not involved? 
Oh, look, I think uh, well, they got one eye on the, the next World Cup. Obviously, I'm no spring chicken at the moment. <laughs> I don't get any younger, so they have got their reasons. And uh, but you never know. Rugby is a funny old game. If they have any knocks, and I'm more than happy uh, to answer. We talk about Warren Gatland. He's obviously handed over the reins for the time being for, for running the Welsh setup as he focuses in on the Lions. Lions very much a part of your rugby history as well. Tell us about him, about Warren Gatland as the Lions coach rather than the Welsh coach. What makes him so special for that role? Oh, he, he embraces it well. Uh, I think uh, when he comes to the whole tour, the experience, the actual coming together as a team, he embraces it. Where he's got that hard edge to him, but he's still got that old rugby mentality where he wants you to have the, the beer, he wants you to get to know your teammates, uh, and which is, a tour like that is really, really needed, and he does embrace it all. And what he does well, he brings a good backroom staff with a lot of personality, which, uh, which breaks things up. Big challenge for him going to New Zealand. He, a Kiwi, of course, never got capped for the All Blacks. Has he ever spoken about his desire to coach a Lions team against uh, the All Blacks? Look, it's, it's an ultimate thing for him, isn't it? He, I, I think he, deep down, you would want that, that New Zealand job. Uh, and this is one hell of an opportunity for a job interview. Uh, take the Lions touring down there and to beat them in their own backyard is going to be yeah. something special. One thing I want to quickly ask you. Lawrence was on the phone to some of your teammates. He spoke to Nick Wood and he asked a few questions about you. We found a few things out. You will only eat beef if it's been minced. That seems, that seems a little bit special, front but row, one thing, <laughs> front row, yeah. One thing is, you race away from the training field as soon as it's done, get yourself a coffee, drink it, then wait for your teammates to turn up to buy you coffees. Fair? Guilty? <laughs> well, they just take longer in the shower than me. <laughs> <laughs> it is fair, in fairness. I do forget my wallet a lot. <laughs> uh, it's reassuring to know that your, play, your teammates will stitch you up. Yeah. That is reassuring. Well, listen, um, as Hugo said, we've got a lot to talk about as far as the Six Nations is concerned. And Alistair Eakin has been to the Six Nations launch, which took place earlier today at the Hurlingham Club in West London. This is what he sent us. Well, the Six Nations launch day is always a bit of a bun fight here at the Hurlingham Club in West London. Six coaches, six captains, sponsors, administrators, the world's media, pretty much everybody is here today. England, of course, looking to back up last season's Grand Slam, even if their captain has been on the naughty step and their coach has been in the wars at home. Just slipped over in the hotel this morning. My mother told me I've always got a shave. I forgot the shaver, walked out of the shower, get the shaver, and this is what happens. Eddie, did you, uh, how long did you make Dylan wait to tell him he was the skipper? Uh, I still haven't told him, mate. Uh, I haven't told you, have I? No, maybe it's a good time to tell him. All right, I'd like to officially announce Dylan's the captain of the England. There you go. <laughs> Dylan, it'll be nine weeks since you played, so how confident are you you'll be comfortable doing an 80-minute shift? I'm confident. I feel fresh, I feel fit and focused. Have you done this kind of thing before? Have you been out for that length of time and come in and asked to perform the way you will be asked to against the French? 60 weeks off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He's used to it. He's an expert. He's a world expert at it. <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, last Six Nations, uh, I did it pre-Australia tour. Um, I had some time out. Uh, I know where I need to be. And how excited are you about the prospect of a Six Nations campaign? Your last, of course, 
uh, but also particularly in the light of what Glasgow have been up to in the in the European Champions Cup recently. No, Six Nations is um, it was great getting the team back together on Sunday night. There is a buzz around the place, but there's a real dose of, of um, realism as well. You know, we're, we're realistic that um, this is going to be um, tough. Um, just because there's a few good performances doesn't mean that the, the opposition are going to give you games. Uh, we're going to have to work really hard, and the players have been working hard, and they understand that's a key to, to performing well. What's your autumn campaign done for your squad, the feel of your squad, the belief that you now have, particularly obviously after the All Blacks win? There is a degree of confidence. You know, to go out and score five tries against the All Blacks, which was, um, you know, pretty much the sum total that had been scored against them in the Rugby Championship, was, was outstanding. I think the conditions on the day really as much as people didn't believe it would have uh, really suited us. But we've got to be able to play in whatever conditions and, and play efficiently, and we've got to have the depth of talent and the depth of experience to, to be able to slot guys in and out, regardless of what those conditions are. We, we need to be unbelievably difficult to play against, but then with the likes of the man on my left and, and a, a number of other players and people we developed through the system have the magic to actually do something when it counts as well and um, maybe this year he'll drop a goal as opposed to uh, and, and win us the match <laughs> because I'm still encouraging him to have a go. Um, so, no, it's, it's, we want to be hard to play against, really hard, and uh, that's our goal. Um, be difficult to play against, more competitive, go to the World Cup, and be a team in that pool that everyone looks at and goes, oh, I don't want to play Italy. The Welsh side over the last eight, nine years, we, sometimes we've come up short in terms of winning games and we've been criticised. I think in the autumn we've got over the line and won three games uh, and, and the players can be applauded for that. But after the South Africa game, uh, we said in the change rooms that it's another level that we need to go to and that level will need to come in the Six Nations. Sam Warburton has been a fantastic leader, has led Wales from the front, and he needs to focus on his own game. There's a lot of competition in the back row, and no doubt he will go away and do that. Uh, but obviously delighted to have someone with the presence of Alan Wynn, <clears throat> 105 caps, captain Wales before, led the Lions in the third test, and. Uh, He'll certainly lead us with his actions and motivation and looking forward to working with him. Yeah, you get the feeling this is going to be one of the tightest Six Nations for a long time. Richard, we'll pick your brains a little bit as to what you think about Alan Wynn being the Welsh captain. But first of all, let's just go back to the Eddie Jones interview and his black eye. We managed to just have another chat with him. And the same question was asked. This is what he said second time round. I guess I have to ask, what happened to you? Uh, tough old training camp, mate. Uh, I just slipped over and, and got my head cut at training, but uh, no big deal. Is that the story? Yeah, we'll go with that one. We'll go with that one, all right. OK. I'll it's a nasty, nasty cut, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, it looks, looks nasty. Yeah, yeah. I said there's some big guys, you shouldn't be mixing with some of them, you know. No, nah, he's front row, mate. He'll be all right. Yeah. The front row union sticking together there, Lawrence. Um, it's just a mark of Eddie Jones, isn't it? That it however mm. he does it, he manages to deflect away from the players, and he becomes the story. He's done it again there. I don't think he did that deliberately. No, that's, 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 that's quite, quite extreme. China. But he has got Dylan Hartley back as the England captain. Right call? 
Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's, uh, I don't think it was ever in doubt. Um, you know, he's, he's been banned for a, a period of time. He served his ban. I think the thing about, I know about Eddie Jones and having gone down to the England camp is that they, they put a lot of stall in what happens in training. So, yes, there's always a bit of a risk when a player hasn't played a huge amount of rugby. But the they get measured so much in training and, you know, and almost game match conditions. So uh, he'll make sure that no one takes the field who's not absolutely ready to do so. And whatever I might have said or anyone might have said about Dylan Hartley for his club, for England, he's actually delivered and he's led that team very, very well. And I've got to give him credit for that. And I'm sure maybe a rest going into this championship is, uh, is no bad thing. And, uh, you know, he knows his performances will be the only thing that we'll measure him on. Richard, you've locked horns with uh, Dylan Hartley many, many times. What do you make of him as a character and as a, as a player? Uh, he's, he's a player who lives on the edge, as you can see by uh, how many weeks he's had. But you can't take that away from him. If you take that away from him, his game's gone. Uh, I think Eddie likes that. He likes his leader, have a bit of fire. So I think uh, it is a good thing. I know he gets unlucky a few times, but it's definitely a good thing for England. Okay, what about the, uh, the back row for England? Um, Jack Clifford and James Haskell have rejoined the training camp at the moment over in Portugal. Uh, we know a great deal about, about James Haskell. Uh, Jack Clifford, though, if he is fit, is he ready to go? Yeah, I think he's shown it in the last couple of years in which he's been involved with England. But let's face it, there's so much competition there, albeit that, you know, James Haskell's not quite had the game time which he would have wanted. But we know from his performances down in Australia in the summer, the talent he is, Chris Robshaw obviously out as well, as well as Benny Villapola. So they're, they're, they're starting, a back row is gone, but there's a huge amount of talent to come in. And you, Yeah, I mean, about... I think Billy is a big loss for them. You know, you've only got to see what he does week in, week out, what he did at international level. And this will be the area that, that's really giving Eddie Jones, um, you know, big problems in terms of his selection. I think it's probably the first time we'll see Mario Toji come back into the back row because England have got such strength in depth in that second row. So I see him playing at flank. Uh, I can see Tom Wood, who's done a really good job since he's come back in. I can see those two probably being Eddie Jones's starting uh, flankers, but uh, certainly food for thought for Eddie Jones. That gives you a big old pack, huge old pack. Massive pack, and yeah. yeah the strength and depth there alone is, you lose Billy, and you got Nathan Hughes or the other boys you, you yeah. mentioned who was just yeah. there waiting to go. One of the reasons why I think people are really, really looking forward to the Six Nations is because of the momentum that the, the countries are taking into the Six Nations through their clubs, through the European competition. Wales are changed at, at the helm. Alan Wynn is in as Welsh captain. Sam Warburton steps aside, but he's still obviously up for, for selection. What change does that make to the Welsh team, the dynamic, and to Alan Wynne-Jones as a player now that he's the Welsh captain? I don't think he'll change Al's game at all. I think Al, if you watch him, he, he leads from, by the fr from the front himself. He, he won't ask the players to do anything he doesn't do. He'll want to be the first to make the big tackle. He wants to be the first to carry him straight into that wall. He is, he is a, a doer and a talker. And it's, it's, the experience the man's got is, is class. And that's probably why so many people are tipping him to be the Lions captain. What of Sam Warburton, though, stripped of the captaincy? It would appear that he's obviously been talked to about it and it's something that he's agreed to do. What changes do you think we'll see from him? I think Sam, uh, I think it's a, it's a good move by Sam. What, what he's got now is a lot of competition. You've got a lot of players playing very well in the back row uh, inside Wales and outside Wales. Uh, and just stepping away from that role, letting him concentrate on his own game, what he needs to do, how he needs to perform will be massive for him.
I think that's a really good point. Sam Warburton, the last couple of years of his injury worries, actually, being a captain of your country is, an, is a massive honour. But at times when things aren't going so well can be a huge burden. Having that lifted off him where he can just focus on him being the best player for Wales, I reckon we'll see the best of him because you face it, Tipperick, the form which he's been on, there's a huge amount of competition. You bring into the fact you've got, um, got I mean, a huge amount of talent there. I think we'll just see the very best of Sam Warburton now. Hoping to anyway. Yeah, you get the feeling that'll be one of the pub conversations. What will the Welsh back row be? We uh, didn't have a chance to speak to the French because they wouldn't do any of their interviews <laughs> in English and Alistair Eakin um, failed his GCSE French. So we will try and work out what on earth's going on. What we do know, Hugo, is that Bastro is back. And there are times when, if we're honest, Bastro's been a bit of a laughing stock. Not this season. He certainly has. Um, there's been, you know, questions about his fitness, his size, whether he can play 80 minutes or not. He got dropped by Guinovers, let's face it. And the way in which he's bounced back is a sign of a true champion. He's really been able to just get down, get his head down with too long. And their form hasn't been great over the last couple of seasons. But watching him at the weekend, I mean, this is exactly what he can do when he's given decent ball get you onto the front foot. Defensively, he's been outstanding as well. He loves the physicality of it. Just ask Alex Zazowski. Looks like a whiplash from a car crash. I mean, that is one almighty here. Wesley Fofana, obviously, out for the season of a ruptured Achilles. It isn't like for like in terms of style. But what he does give you, and you can see from his stats there, what's the one of the most impressive stats about it is 14 turnover one. That's an incredible stat. Defenders beaten, offloads. Give this guy good front football. He'll get over that advantage line and certainly show up your defence. That, 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 those are back row stats, aren't they, Lawrence? Those are back row stats for a midfield player. Yeah, he's a back row size as well, isn't he? <laughs> the entire back row. I mean, the modern, the modern game, I don't know why Guy Neves has ignored him because, you know, I think he wanted to get France playing in this kind of way that we were used to seeing them play a long time ago and he didn't think Bastero was the man. But the way the tackle laws are changing, he's such a hard man to put on the floor. He, every time he got the ball against Saracens, he got them too long, way over the game line. And I tell you what, it won't be... Won't be a comfortable afternoon for anyone in the England centre when he's coming at you. Unless you land on top of him, then I get the feeling he'd be very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very comfortable place to be. Well, I tell you, it's going to be a great... I mean, England, obviously, three home games. Um, the, the French rugby team in the past don't travel quite as well as their wine. So uh, as, as, long as, uh, as long as they, uh, they sort of yeah. turn up and don't play too well, I'm sure England fans will be very happy. But well, they'll all be hoping. A big challenge for England. One thing, of course, we have to mention, it wouldn't be a Six Nations without a debate over the roof at what is now, of course, the <laughs> Principality Stadium. And the, the, the Welsh asked whether they could play all their matches under a closed roof, and I think we all knew what the answer was going to be. No, you can't. Same rules apply. Both nations playing have to agree to close the roof. Do it every year, don't you? Do you, you, you almost set your alarm clock by it. Time to talk about the roof. Yeah, it's always a good topic uh, to bring up. No, it, it, it does add to an atmosphere yeah. there. It's, it, it is good when it is closed, but if you're meant to have roofs, you're meant to have roofs. Hugo, when you are the national coach, you want any club competition as closely as possible to mimic international intensity. This is what Nigel Owens said. He was refereeing the Saracens-Toulon game. And he said, Saracens-Toulon, one of the toughest matches I've ever refed. Test match intensity. Well done, both teams, for a great at Champions Cup match. The Champions Cup is now delivering for the national coaches, as well as for everyone who's enjoying them. Yeah, absolutely. Eddie Jones will be thrilled watching that game in terms of intensity, and there's no surprise when you look at the calibre of players right across the pitch. A lot of world-class players, but for me, Saracens over the last six weeks or so haven't really been at their best. 
But at the heart of them, at the nucleus, their DNA is about physicality, intensity, work rate. And for me, they're all the hallmarks of a champion team and a real good team spirit. And they had that in absolute spades of the weekend. They're the masters of keeping teams at arm's length, and that's what they did at the weekend. And when you look at some of their involvements, Will Skelton on Samu Manoa, two minutes from the trial, and Michael Rose, that desperation is the very reason why they're the only team unbeaten in European Cup. So and the teams wanted to get up into the Championship. Gloucester want to get in there through, obviously, getting the right position in the Premiership. But the Welsh region, Scarlets, OK, they didn't win their pool, but they put in big performances and they scared the big boys. Yeah, that's important. I think uh, ultimately you want to go out and win that competition. You've got to really build up and get your team ready when going out to put these big performances in. And uh, every year is a good learning lesson, but I think ultimately they want to get further. And Lawrence Saracen's through. They're, well, they're not going to play against Toulon, but we saw that the, the champions of the last four years up yes. against each other, putting in championship performance to dig themselves out of holes. Toulon now, for the, for the, hopefully, for the rest of the tournament, are going to have Matt Gitto pulling the strings. Before I let you talk about the, what he brings to the team, this, again, talking to, to Nigel Owens was a lovely little moment when he, uh, he tweeted um, to Nigel Owens, Where's the advantage, Ref? This is after an incident in the game. Where's the advantage, Ref? The reply that Nigel Owens gave him, you just need to kick it better. So a bit of humour, but it, doesn't, it shouldn't detract from the fact that Toulon have got a world-class player back in their ranks yeah, for the important to, stage. They had to go and, and win that game to go through. And I thought they, you know, they, they, they threw everything at Saracens, and, and, but for a couple of you know, last-ditch tackles, they could have easily won the game. They're still through. They're playing against Claremont, so that's probably a game that will suit them. Um, we know about their world-class players, but they've had no direction, really, for me at 10. Tron Duke's broken his leg, so he's going to be out for the season. So having Gitto back, he brings 100 caps of experience. When you've got the likes of Habana, when you've got the likes of Mar Nonu outside you, you know, what you really need is quick ball and fast ball. And uh, Toulon have got this tendency just to use the big, powerful forwards. And I think Gitto will give them that, that experience. So looking forward to seeing him play. And you get the feeling that Richard Cockrell is going to bring the analysis, <laughs> the attention to detail that maybe they're lacking? Yeah, I think the set piece. I mean, Mike Ford and Richard Cockrell haven't, got, haven't had long there, but uh, I think the set piece and the organisation, that, that's the hallmarks of, of, uh, of what we know, uh, over, certainly over the, in this side of, uh, of, of the channel. Over in France, possibly they don't quite have that attention to detail, but they'll get it now from those two. A bit more of a shrug. <laughs> Less <laughs> fair. Um, Ugo, last weekend, did we see the performance of the tournament so far? Glasgow dismantling Leicester. I think so. 43 0. I mean, you'd never get to see a result like that. never the flag behind yeah, you. Absolutely. They're, happy. They're absolutely uh, thrilled. Go on, Glasgow. Even though she's got a Northampton State shirt on, anyway. Uh, we'll move on to that in a little while. But, I mean, what a performance it was. I mean, for me, their intent, once again, was shown right from the word go to be playing out of their 22. What Gregor Townsend has instilled within that team is a confidence, a desire, <coughs> and a platform for those guys to be able to play. And why not? When you've got the likes of Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg, why wouldn't you give them the ball to play? But to have wrapped up a bonus point victory before half-time at Welford Road, not only is that a great result, what a statement to everyone else in the competition. Richard, when you see a result like that, as you as a player watching a team, OK, you're not going to come across them in this tournament this year, but do you think, hang on, this is a team setting down a very impressive mark? Yeah, exactly. I watched that game and I just... The way Glasgow played on top of Leicester was just incredible. They're taking away uh, the point of contact just the one out further. A little tip-ons with the forwards, it was just... They got the tactics on the day absolutely perfect and, and Leicester couldn't keep up. OK, prediction time, guys. Let's have a look at that, uh, that quarter-final pool again and uh, try and work out how we, who we think are going to win this one. So we know that, uh, that Claremont are going to take on 
too long. Do, Lawrence, what do we think? Do we think? Well, I think. Got too I mean, much statistically, if you look at the if you look at the whole competition, uh, the, the home teams have the advantage. I think only one. It's so hard to win away from home. Seventy-five percent of all the quarterfinals have been won by the home sides. So uh, in the in the history. So, you know, what we said is any of those. You know, which of those sides can. Uh, um, you know, can win away from home. Uh, I mean, I'd back Clermont at home. If they could play every game in the European Cup at home, they'd have won it four or five times by now. Oh, God, I deliberately asked him that question because I don't want Lawrence talking about Wasps. <laughs> Wasps travelling to Leinster. They've got good history against Leinster, but this is a different Leinster no. side now, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, what a disappointing year the Irish provinces had and you know, they've both made it through to the quarterfinals. But, I mean, for me, that's probably the most exciting type. Things outstanding. Um, both play some great rugby. Wasps obviously flying in the Premiership as well as Europe, but uh, Leinster at the RDS are pretty tough, uh, pretty tough prospects. And what of Munster? What do we make of Munster? It's an incredible journey. We know the sadness, the tragedy that surrounds them, but also great rugby passion. Munster have come alive again. Oh, yeah, it's the Munster of old. You're watching them now and you just think, oh, fabulous, from the crows they get into the passion they're putting on the pitch. Uh, and it, it's just incredible, the, the resurgence. I think uh, we're talking to one of the boys and they're all training together again now, which you can see that as a team, they're really, really strong. Yeah, it's fantastic. What do we reckon, guys? Do we think this is the most exciting pool stage we've seen for a long time into the quarterfinals? Yes? Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like the walking dead behind us. Yeah. <laughs> guys, uh, Lawrence Hugo, we asked you to have a look at the, uh, the, the teams and the performances from the knockout stage, from the pool yeah. stages. You came up with your team of the champion so far. Take it away. Talk us through it. Well, I'll start with the forwards. I mean, it's very easy for anyone to disagree. I didn't find any room for any French forwards, so some people might say, well, how could you not do that? But I think there's been... This is not about one game. This is about the performances over the six matches. So just very quickly, I think that the standout player for me at number eight, CJ Stand, I think he's been magnificent in terms of carries, meters made. Ryan Wilson for Glasgow. You know, there's some, some other contenders there like Thomas Young, who's gone well. Uh, Peter Amahani, he's just been brilliant, not just on the field, but the way he's pulled that whole monster thing together after the sad passing of Axel Foley. Uh, he's been unbelievable. The two second rows, again, it could have gone with Johnny Gray. Um, you know, from Glasgow. There's so many players there, but I think Atoji and Launchbury have been brilliant. And the two Irish props, one from Munster, Kilcoyne, in the front row. Um, and, you know, Furlong has just been a revelation of the season. And I think, you know, for me, Jamie George, that wonderful performance over in Toulon, that's a decent four pack. That's not a bad four pack for your backs to perform behind. Yeah, notably, there's, there's actually no English players in that, but uh, I, I, I used Lawrence's hallmark there and I just went for consistency right throughout the pool stage. Uh, Conor Moore at nine, I think he's the, the best nine British and Irish. Arles Finn Russell highlighted that he's been my standout player. What a wonderful performance he, we've seen over him. Charles Piertau on the wing, just an absolute mercurial and wonderful world class footballer. The two, the two, the two centres there, self-explanatory. I think the one people, one people might be surprised is Adam Byrne. I think he's been brilliant. Um, he's under the radar at the moment. We'll see how he goes in the Six Nations. He could be a guy to fight his way onto the plane to New Zealand this summer. He's not under the radar anymore. He's had the Hugo Monia stamp of approval. <laughs> he's there. He's got the stamp of approval. And you've both gone for Gregor Townsend as your coach. No one's going to argue too much with that. You can watch the full chat between these guys on the BT Sport Facebook page when they discuss in detail why they've gone for those selections. Let's talk 
Challenge Cup. Uh, Richard, let's talk to you about that because 2015, one of Gloucester's big highlights of recent years was lifting that. What are your, what are your memories of that day when you won the trophy? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, going down uh, into the stoop, uh, the whole atmosphere, the whole game. It was, it was a good year for us because we came together, new coaches, new team, new backroom staff. It was uh, built up all year and go out to get some silverware that year was, it was amazing. And it ha happened to be the only year you don't go up to the bigger competition. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was a little, we had to play a couple more games after that, which was, uh, was tough on the old bodies, but the experience of winning it was, it was amazing. Yeah, how's your luck when that happens? You don't get automatically knocked <laughs> out to the next competition. Okay, let's talk about the, the role of the Challenge Cup, because it is called the Champions Cup little brother, but it's very important. Now, Gloucester didn't capitalise on that, but when Harlequins won the Challenge Cup, they did capitalise. What sort of impetus did it give Quinns? Well, I think having silverware is so important for any club. Hey? You, you, you work and fight all year just to have something tangible at the end of it. And for us... Actually, having that focus, coming away from, with some silverware in 2011 was massive. It kind of validated that everything that we had done that year had finally worked and we could actually hang our, hang our hat on it. And uh, the year after, we then went on and won the Premiership. And so we just kind of used it as a springboard. It creates a huge amount of confidence, self-belief in terms of what you're about. It's a massive, well-worked tool within the Premiership. Yeah, it is. And Northampton capitalised. Maybe this is the year that you're going to do it. You put down a strong marker, big dismantling of Bayon. You didn't play in that one, but I suppose the, the, the hard work had been done. But you get the feeling there's, a, there's an air of excitement around Gloucester. They're going well in this competition. They're not far off in the Premiership and names are starting to come to King's Home ready for next season. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. We've got a good squad building. Uh, we use it, uh, like you said, you're using this, this as a momentum. I think uh, we started well in this competition. We got all wins at home. We stumbled out in La Rochelle, but we're using this as massive momentum in the, into the Premiership. And I think, like Hugo just said, it's, to get silverware at the end of the year is, is, is really important as a team. And I think we really want to go out and win this competition. Yeah, and you've got every likelihood of, of doing that. All the potential is there. Let's have a look and see who you're going to be playing in the quarterfinals. Have a look at the rest of the quarterfinals. So uh, Ospreys are going to take on Stade Francais Bath against Brief. Uh, Edinburgh against La Rochelle, so Osprey, Staff, on say Bath, Brief are our two live games here on BT Sport. Gloucester against the Blues, you'll enjoy that one, won't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's always great to play against the region. Uh, we stumbled last year and I am still on, uh, against the Dragons, uh, lost at home with them. Uh, I still haven't lived that down, uh, so hopefully this year <laughs> we'll play against another region and I get a, put a stamp down. Just a little question, might be cheeky asking this, talk about Mohed Altrad at the moment, the owner of Montpellier, his interest in Glasgow. What do you know, or what can you tell me? I don't know if he's buying Glasgow, but he's definitely interested in us. Sorry, Gloucester. Gloucester. I got the first two letters right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's uh, as players, you don't really get to know what's going on in the background. But it's exciting. Anyone knows if it's a massive investment coming, you know stuff is going to improve. And if it's playing squad, if it's uh, facilities, with a, with someone like uh, I'll try coming in, you you bring a bring a lot with him. You heard it here first, folks. Mohad Altrad is not buying Glasgow. <laughs> it's all good news. Let's, let's talk Ospreys, uh, your previous team before you came to Gloucester. Um, they're going well for the first time ever. Yeah. A full house in, the, knocker, in the, uh, the pool stages. 30 from 30. They're going well. Oh, they're going very well. I think uh, where they've done well over the last, uh, last season a bit, when all the main Welsh boys, they have an abundance of uh, first teamers for Wales, go away, 
they got the squad players playing and the younger boys coming through. I think that's really showing now in these periods. I think I've, when they've won uh, five of the six games in the, in the pool, and you could, you could even take your foot off the gas, but they didn't. They wanted to go up to Newcastle and put a massive performance in. 30 points from a possible 30 points, Lawrence. That is pretty good going, isn't it? Yeah, it shows that ruthlessness that they've got there. And it's good to see because, you know, we haven't had a region side in the Champions Cup. So what you really want to see is in the, in the next competition is them really, you know, playing well. And what I really like about it is their Welsh players have actually come back in and really stood up and be counted. So uh, looking forward to that match against Stade Francais for sure. OK, as a reminder of the matches coming your way, Bath against Gloucester, they open things up 7.30 down at the Rec. We will be there. Join us on BT Sport 2. Scarlets against Saracen Sale against the Blues. That finishes off Friday's action. Then on Saturday, we're at Welford Road. It's an East Midlands derby. Leicester Tigers against Northampton. Glenn Delaney is our guest for that one. Join us at, uh, on BT Sport 1. Worcester against Quinns, Exeter against Wasps, Ospreys against Bristol. And then things finish off on Sunday. Dragons welcoming Newcastle. Well, here's a reminder of how the tournament is run. It's a little bit different. Four pools of four teams. The top sides go through to the semi-finals. That's simple, isn't it? Well, not quite. Rather than playing the other sides in their pool, each team plays all four clubs from a separate pool. So the teams in pool one play all four sides in pool four, and the teams in pool two we matched up against the sides in pool three. Confused? Well, this does give each team four matches in total, two at home and two away. Their points are totted up and matched against those in their own pool. Only the winner in each pool will progress to the semi-finals. From there on, it is straightforward knockout rugby, with the four semi-finalists fighting for a place in the final on March the 19th at the Stoop. So, big, big tournament. Uh, Ugo Bath against Gloucester, local derby. Everything that you'd want from that. And these young players starting to get a feel, and get a taste of what this big rivalry is all about. Of course, absolutely. And you've got to consider that regardless of whatever competition it is, it's always such a big fixture. But as you mentioned there, such a good opportunity for players that haven't had a huge amount of game time, younger players coming through to be able to experience competition at a high level. Richard, what about the Gloucester guys? When you speak to the younger players, maybe coming through the academy for their first real hit of this, do they appreciate, first of all, having the opportunity to play in a cup competition, but appreciate the, the seriousness of a local derby like that? Yeah, they, I think being in the team while we have played these derbies, they can see it. But I think now they're involved in it, they're more excited. Uh, I think they, they're going to relish going down there and, uh, and trying to beat up a, a good Bath team. Yeah, so you're sitting just just down well, in second in your pool. Opportunity for young guys to, to make a name for themselves. We mentioned um, so many players involved with the Lions, but if you think of Jack Knoll and Jack Clifford and Marutoje, they all broke through, Lawrence, through the Anglo-Welsh yeah. or the LV as it used to be. People are wondering what on earth this competition is. Um, opportunity for the young boys to come through. For Bath, Zach Mercer, he's already done it though, hasn't he? Because of injuries, he's played a lot of Premiership, a lot of European games. Yeah, he has. I mean, it's been a real breakthrough season for, you know, for Zach Mercer. New, new director of rugby, Todd Blackadder, coming in. You know, with uh, there being a lack of maybe second-team rugby across, uh, you know, 
Wales and, and the Premiership. This is a great competition to see players, you know, really operating in a very, very competitive environment. Also, a good, healthy rivalry between uh, Wales and England as well. You know, when you and I made our debuts in the old days, we played against the Welsh sides and vice versa. So I think it's a, it's a nod to that. You learn a little bit about the character of players. And, and Mercer reportedly has been offered a, a senior contract, a number of, uh, along with a number of other Bath players, on the back of what his director of rugby has, has seen in this competition. Yeah, that good old midweek call. You're in the team on a Wednesday night. You're travelling down oh. the M4 because the senior second row has just got a bit of a yeah. hamstring. <laughs> a little bit of a hamstring, can't play. I played one of my first games for Was, uh, Neath away down at the Knoll on a Friday night before England played Wales. Yeah. i tell you what, you learn uh, who your mates are then, I can assure you. <laughs> I remember playing against Pontypool, Met Police, John Perkins looked at me and goes, there's yards of you, I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> you beat me black and blue. Uh. Young guys trying to make a name for themselves. Um, and so if we're looking at, uh, at Adam Hastings, famous surname, wants to become a famous player in his own right. He may or may not play this weekend, but he's going to be involved for Bath, whatever happens. You'd like to think so, as you mentioned. Such a good opportunity for young players who have been starved of opportunity. This could be his moment now. He's sat behind a couple of quality tens in George Ford and Reese Priestland. And, and that number 10 just gives you that confidence where you can actually just take charge of your team, play your natural game, that knowing that you're an absolute general out there. And hopefully for him, he gets an opportunity to, uh, to, to do justice to, to his namesake. We know a huge amount about his father, but time for him to really step up. And of course, news coming through that, that Glasgow, definitely Glasgow, not Gloucester, definitely Glasgow, <laughs> have approached Adam Hastings about joining them. And, and of course, Bath desperate to hang on to him. It's also an opportunity, Richard, for players who maybe are big names, we know a lot about them, but they've been struggling with injuries. And in, uh, for, for Gloucester, Henry Purdy fills that role. We know a good deal about him, but he's been an unlucky soul. Yeah, he's been, he's been very unlucky with the injuries. He seems to get a couple of games, does very well, and then picks up a little knock. Or, yeah, he just picks up a little knock and it, that hit, takes him out of the team for a couple of weeks. And rugby is a fine game. You just need momentums of games and, and he needs that. But what we've seen of him, his finishing ability, his strength. He's a modern winger, his size and strength and speed. He, he, he could be the finished package. What about other players that we should be keeping an eye on for in the, in the Gloucester team this weekend? Who should uh, we be looking out for? If you look in the back row, you've got uh, a young Welsh boy, Dan Thomas. He's uh, a seven. He's, he's a real good player. He's going to be class. Uh, he, he, we call it the Dan Thomas line in training, where he completely blindsides you and scores a try. Uh, it, it kills our defence, uh, our defence coach, he goes nuts. But no, he, he, he'd be really, definitely one to watch weekend. No mention of a back, just a forward. <laughs> Talk about forward. Of course. I'm not entirely sure what happens behind there somewhere, but I know the forwards are right. But Gloucester, they put out, they're putting out a strong team. They're serious. They're taking this game very, very seriously. Yeah, it's good. I think we're in the position now. We're very lucky. We've got a lot of boys coming back from injury. I think uh, the team we're going to field at the weekend is stronger than a couple of the times we fielded in the Premiership last year. Uh, I'm really excited. You've got a few boys coming back from injury. Uh, a few boys who haven't had uh, minutes this year. So it's good. They want to impress. The team started to pick up some momentum and they want to get back in that team. So and it's, it's really good to have competition in our position. And Lawrence, what about the, the, the senior players who are playing? It's a test for them as well because they haven't got the comfort, have they, of their regular faces around them. Looking back at someone maybe they don't know <coughs> very well, they've got to bring them into the game, look after them, manage the game. Yeah, I think for the senior players, um, they've got a lead, simple as that. You know, it's, uh, it's a chance for them to step up because all eyes will be on them um, and some of the younger players will take a lead from that as well. And I think uh, maybe some of those senior players are there for their experience, but they're not used to having to lead the team. Uh, that's normally driven by the international players, but they're now away from, you know, they get a, a well-earned break 
make. And it's up to those senior players to really, you know, stand up. And as Hugo talked about, it's still a trophy available. And, uh, you know, you, 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 mark, you measure your career on what you get a chance to playing in big finals. And this is a wonderful sort of another step for these players on the way to earning some more silverware. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's an opportunity for the clubs to almost hit the reset button. And Hugo, Leicester need that after last weekend. They do. And what a new top competition gives you is a brand new stimulus. And uh, it'd be nice to put the Premiership to one side, get some pride back in, get players who have been starved of game time. I think the one thing that this competition allows is the intensity to be up there because every single player has got an individual ability and want to, to prove a point to the coach, whether it's you've been injured, you need game time, or you're a senior player just looking to get form, but Leicester desperately need this competition. And we talked about players looking to, to make a name for themselves, get themselves back into recognition. Harry Thacker, we were talking about him all the time last season. Tom Youngs was injured. Tom Youngs is back. We haven't really talked about Harry Thacker. Haven't so much. And I guess that's probably because Tom Youngs actually played so well this year. He is captain. But Harry Thacker, we've seen his try scoring ability. He scored try the season last year. But <coughs> he really is a player, a little bit like Dave Ward, actually, at Harlequins, that could probably play in the back row. His ability around the park, his carrying skills, as well as all of his defensive duties are outstanding. I guess first and foremost, you need to get your set piece right. And that's probably where Tom Youngs has an edge on him. But yes, I mean, this competition is for all sorts. And Harry Thacker, a guy who really had a breakthrough season, be looking to rediscover some of that form coming this weekend. Lawrence, we, we saw images which you very rarely see. I can't, actually, I can't remember ever seeing them. The crowd leaving early at a Leicester Tigers game, yeah. booing at Welford Road. The fans are loyal. They'll be back for this game, but they need to see something, don't they? They need to feel that the recovery yeah, started. They're, they're, they're having a tough time, Leicester, and, and every club goes through that. But I don't think. I think last week was a real shock. You know what we've seen this season is is them shipping points away from home, and that can happen. We've all we've all been there in teams that, that where that happens. I think losing by so many points in, in and you know not even scoring a point at home, I think was a real shock for everyone. Um, obviously, the departure of Richard Cockrell. Uh, hasn't quite had the effect that possibly people thought it, it would. There's been no bounce at all. Um, the board have got a little bit of uh, a bit of a hard look at themselves. They've got to have a little look at what they really want to do. You know, they're trying to sort of play it in a certain way in the past, and then you know try and sort of move on as well. I think it's going to be a, a tough job for whoever goes in there because uh, you can't just um, you know sign players overnight. It's a sort of one, two, three-year cycle because all the best players are currently playing at other clubs. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to stick together as a group. Um, you know, they're going to be in for a lot of criticism. You know, that's a siege mentality, if you like, and just, you know, nail down that qualification for the Champions Cup, which is so important to try and attract the very best players there for next season. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how that journey uh, unfolds. Well, they've got the, Richard, they've got the motivation of having played badly last weekend and they're up against Northampton Saints. Are you surprised that Saints have had such a tricky season? Uh, I am a little bit. They did so well last year, and I think obviously they tried to make a, a few changes. Uh, maybe a few players not hitting form, but it, it, it's not that far away if you watch them play, and uh, they're still getting results. They're not getting all the results they want, but they're not a million miles away. I, th I think it's it's a confidence thing. Um, you see teams like us ourselves, we lose not very much, but it's a confidence confidence thing going into these games. And you you close with like five minutes ago, and those demons started to creep in, and it's a momentum throughout the season. It happens enough times, it becomes a habit. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week. See you soon.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.